Okay, welcome to Reactive. I'm Khalil, and I'm here with Henning. Hello. Hello. Long time no chat, my goodness. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, we have no Rockbot uh, with us today. She is busy. So um, we, uh, in uh, long-held tradition, we're going to talk about an animal from where the missing person is currently at, which would be California. So... So we're talking about the grizzly bear, uh, uh, the Californian grizzly bear, which is actually also on their like flag or whatever, they, what they have. So first fact, diet. Grizzly bears are omnivores and their diet can, va can vary widely. They may eat seeds, berries, roots, grasses, fungi, deer, elk, fish, dead animals, and insects. Insects? That's crazy. How in the world do they eat seeds? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, guess, I guess they could just lick them off the ground or something. <laughs> I mean, when they eat fruit, they, they can also yeah, just I, eat the seeds. Yeah. Um, in the late summer and early fall, grizzlies enter hyperphagia, a period of two to four months when they intensify their calorie intake to put on weight for winter denning. During this time, during this time period, they can gain more than three pounds a day. I can wow. do that easily. Also. <laughs> if uh, I want to. That sounds painful. <laughs> you just have to know. eat the right things, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we have another one? Sure. Do you have any? Did you Give look anything up? I, I don't have any. I'm sorry. Okay. No, no problem. So I just seen, I've seen a grizzly bear in the wild, but that was in Canada. Um, oh, wow. Pretty cool. crazy, yeah. Did you wrestle? No, I was at a safe distance, luckily. <laughs> That's boring. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah, I never I only saw them on TV so far. Um, so here's a here's a did you know fact uh, in a little gray box. It says, Did you know uh, grizzly bears have better sense of smell than a hound dog and can detect food from miles away? Ah, okay, so... Imagine that. Hiding food doesn't do you any good. You're screwed. <laughs> exactly. They'll and, find it. But imagine you had that kind of sense of smell. Would you be... Like, if, if you would be, be driven by, this, by, by uh, you know, the smell of food as a human, and you would smell food, food from miles away, you wouldn't be able to walk anywhere. Yeah, that would be terrible. Food everywhere. <laughs> oh, man. That would not be nice, I think. Okay, let's let's have a last uh, fact. This is also a fun did you know fact in a gray box. Grizzly bears use rub trees. These are trees where they scratch their backs, leaving scent and hair. Biologists can use these trees to collect DNA from many bears living in the area. Oh, that wasn't that exciting. <clears throat> hmm. But hey, cool. I really love I really love that uh, Californian flag, by the way. I think that's really cool. I, I, yeah, you have to, have to show a link to that because I don't know what it looks like. Uh, it's just like there's a bear on it, and then it's I think there's a star, and it's green and red, and the bear. It's really cool. I have I even have a hoodie with uh, with the bear on. <clears throat> nice, California flag. Very nice. All right. So, what have you been up to? Ha ha ha. Yeah. So, so I got a very cute uh, little baby girl, and uh, she's doing well. And uh, it's yeah, changing our lives over here, obviously. And but it's great. It's absolutely. Yeah. It's it's just uh, a lot of love, <laughs> and uh, a lot of yeah. A lot of things to do and a lot one, of attention wonder, to be given. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yes. yes. Well, that's that's fantastic. Congratulations again, Thank and you, uh, you <laughs> will be much busier now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's how it is, I guess. Mm -hmm. When you get a so, you said you're back at you're back at work already. Are we, um, yes. Ready? Yeah, I had a month off, and mm -hmm. I'm back at work since Monday. So, nice. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, I mean, a month off, that's unheard of here, of course, but uh, yeah, I know. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Very that's nice. really great. And I have another month off when she's a year old. Because you have, as, a, as the dad, you have two months. Um, mm. and you, you can 
you can kind of have them where you want. Like you don't have to ah. have it at, right at the beginning. You can place them wherever you want. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. That's excellent. Uh, it's it's really cool. I mean, I was really good to have this month off, and then after a year, of course, then um, you know, um, they they are at a point where everything outside of eating and the mom is also interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good t- uh, time to to take another month off. Yeah. Well, that that might come a little sooner, but then a year. But <laughs> yeah, depending on the baby. Yeah. yeah. If you have a little explorer, you'll be. Well, she's very attentive yeah. and stuff. Like she's already checking out our faces all the time. And yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's Exciting cool. times. That's fantastic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully Raquel's going to be back next uh, next week. Definitely miss mm-hmm. you, Raquel. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll try to get back on track with. Week the weekly trio. <laughs> yeah, hope, hopefully that that'll happen uh, again uh, soon. Yeah. That we get into this uh, weekly rhythm it would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. So, uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Do you what's 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 happening in well, um, Henning's life? I have something. Um, so Raquel has announced, I think, a few weeks ago that she's over Pokemon, and I just had something funny. I noticed something funny and, and a coworker of mine told me it's like I play it occasionally mostly when I when I go walking with my daughter in the in the baby carriage here around the neighborhood. Okay. Anyway, so I guess Pokemon is trying to trying to stay relevant and interesting so they they started this Halloween thing um, which started I guess at midnight around midnight today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to go I don't know November 1st or 2nd or something like that. But basically they have all the ghost Pokemons popping up in much higher, uh, or you know, spawning in in higher rates than usual. So I have ghosts all over my house. Um, okay, which is kind of funny. And so um, yeah, Pokemon, Pokemon, uh, po- Pokemon Go, Pokemon ghosts in your house. Yeah, exactly. That you can catch in your house. Oh, okay. Yes, like there's not much going on around my house normally, but all of a sudden there are ghosts everywhere. <laughs> So you can catch those and every other Pokemon you catch. You get like double double the amount of candy. And um, yeah, so that's, Exciting. I guess they're trying to sort of entice people back to the game or mm-hmm. keep them interested. So mm-hmm. um, it was kind of funny to see that. You drive around and you see in the different locations um, that there's, yeah, ghosts everywhere. So that was the one thing. And then the other thing, um, the reason I'm so poorly prepared is uh, things at work are really, really crazy. And um, <clears throat> so first off, I was officially made team lead yesterday. And um, what? Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, wow. That's a, that's a quick rise to the top here. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, this has been um, very, very interesting for me. It's um, so. What does that entail to be team lead? So I don't exactly know yet. Um, this company is is growing so fast, mm-hmm. and they're um, in in certain things they're kind of all over the place still. Mm-hmm. But um, from what I can glean um, right now, it it means um, you know trying to keep the team on track. Not not any kind of I guess what you would call managerial. Um, authority or anything like that so no no hiring and uh, salary stuff at this point but i don't know we'll see um so i have a a team of two basically or um yeah it's basically me and two other guys so and it's supposed to grow drastically by the end of next year we shall see Mm -hmm. how that goes but we're basically going from a total of seven to 21 by the end of next year so wow. um, yeah, Crazy. I know that's, that's size of teams is all relative, but that's pretty much the biggest I've I would have been part of so far. Be- especially working mostly alone, this is a huge change. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I had a team of six or seven, but I was very junior. That was uh, like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so what we're doing and what I'm trying to trying to get going is I've I've mentioned this a few times this whole JSON API thing. So this is yeah. 
this is really real for now, uh, for real. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what it what it basically entails is we are we are building this backend system that has um, various layers uh, that me and these two other guys are working on, and we have an iOS front end. So, so I guess you know if we uh, count the front end person, we're actually four four people working on this. So trying to keep that on track has been a new experience for me um, because I've usually done API stuff from you know beginning to end myself, mm. and that works a little different. It's all serial, obviously, and now things are happening in parallel, and trying to keep that organized is, is interesting. So what, I've, what I started doing is... Um, there's this uh, API um, specification language, which is called Swagger, and I think I've mentioned this before. And mm-hmm. it's actually evolved quite a bit over the last uh, few years. When I used it last, it was in version one something, and I, I purely used it at that point. I think it was only available as a an API documentation system. So mm-hmm. you had an API, and you could write either write code that would generate. Swagger compliant documentation, which would then be consumed by so a, a nice little um, JavaScript front end and would display things really nicely and give you um, sort of test clients to play around with in the browser and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they've sort of caught up or moved ahead. I'm not really sure where they stand in in relation to something like um, a API Blueprint, which I think is is um, I guess a competitor. But what they have now also is not just going from your API to the documentation, but you have a essentially a specification document that either can be rendered into um, a documentation or you can generate code from it. And they have actually a whole bunch of different generators for all sorts of languages. So if you write a API specification either in in YAML or in JSON, or you write it in YAML and then translate it to JSON, you can use certain out-of-the-box tools that they provide to build clients or SDKs or even servers from that, mm-hmm. um, at least the scaffolding for it. We're not doing any of that. We're just using the... I needed a way to quickly and easily document what we're going to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if you haven't if you've never seen this before, basically what it is it's a structured document that explains or, or um, defines what sort of the base URL is, um, what kind of content types you're going to handle, and then it has a list of all the endpoints <clears throat> that you are going to serve or want to build. Mm-hmm. And under each endpoint, you have the various um, HTTP methods. And under each HTTP method, you can specify um, all the parameters for the um, for the endpoint. And parameters can either be in the in the query string or in the path. So if you had, let's say, I don't know, um, user slash one, that would be a um, the ID for users would be in the path. So you can and you can specify it that way. You can specify if it's in the body. So it's it's really flexible, and so you can tell it what the type of the parameter is, if it's required or not. And so because of that structure, you can now go ahead and nicely generate code from that. <clears throat> and uh, not only can you specify the parameters, but you can put in the uh, the models for um, that the endpoint is dealing with. So you can specify the models that then get um, rendered in the documentation. So it's really, really nice to... Because I wanted something that I can give the front-end person say, hey, this is what we're going to build. We don't have it yet, but this is the spec that we're all going to build to. And it makes mm-hmm. it nice and clean um, and works really well. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so I, I then threw up basically the scaffolding for the endpoints so they actually exist and they can be, I guess, um, accessed. Mm-hmm. They might have not returned much of anything yet, but at least they were there to, um, you know, sort of as a placeholder, and yes, mm-hmm. this works. And as things, you know, come uh, online, we basically expose functionality and sort of hook them up, so then say, okay, this is ready, ready to go. And um, mm-hmm. so we got three people basically working on 
on endpoints and me trying to coordinate, make sure everything um, works nicely. And I have to say, using Swagger and JSON API is a total freaking lifesaver. I don't know how I, how else I would do that because it takes away all the um, bike shedding, all the guesswork. Yeah, mm. and the bike shed, not just the bike shedding, really, but it keeps you. Um, in check or in on a, on a certain path without you having to think much about it because yes. it's all done. You know, it's like, yes. the, I, I, this was really weird because for, for my, for the talks that I do about JSON API, you know, I spend most of the time explaining what the structure of the document looks like. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is in the end, it's completely irrelevant, irrelevant because all your tooling handles that for you and you mm-hmm. don't really ever even have to look at it hmm. because you don't deal with it. You just you specify your schemas on how you know the data comes out of your models and then JSON API handles the rendering for you so you don't have to do any of that. Yeah, so the really cool thing is that this kind of standardization gives you uh, or gives the tools the opportunity to just take away more work. Exactly. Yeah. Boring work yeah. and, and tedi- tedious stuff Tedi- because, really I mean, tedious. what I started, yeah, because what I started to do before I looked back into Swagger, I just started to write a markup document to say, okay, I'm going to write out all the things, like, I'm just going to write the specification in markup. And I'm like, oh, this is nuts. After the second endpoint, I was like, no, thank <laughs> no, thank you. So, so um, yeah, then I went back and looked at Swagger and and really you can start writing that within like I think within a 30 minutes or an hour, mm-hmm. it's it's very structured and easy to understand. And also, they have a um, they have an editor that's online. So if you go to Swagger.io, I think it's editor.swagger.io, but I'll we'll put the link in the show notes. So you can write your spec. It's in a split screen on the left, mm-hmm. and on the right, it gets rendered into HTML documentation immediately. Mm-hmm. So you can see what you're doing. You know, right away, and then export that thing and um, share it. Basically, so very, very cool. So that's that's what I've been up to, and hence I'm I'm a little bit, yeah, <laughs> busy. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. I mean, you this is this is like the this is like the first time where you get really get to dive into um, using JSON JSON API and exactly. implementing it for applications and that's very exciting or oh, must be very it is. exciting for you i i would say this is probably the most fun i've had in in a very very long time at work so <laughs> it's, it's, it's great it's uh, yeah it's cool totally just, totally awesome you brought you, you that basically the time like the times where uh, the talks that you did basically prepared you to uh very well to to present it within this new company that you're in that's open for the stuff and yeah, good to go and uh, it's, that's yeah. how you do it it's great yeah it's very cool. yeah so yeah it's, it's, a, a, it's a totally exactly and it's it's a it's a different kind of experience from like when you don't have this experience like earlier on when i was muddling through it and i was you know exploring all these things and making all these mistakes and stuff and now mm-hmm. you're at like a completely different level and can introduce this and all this this grunt work and and the figuring out and all this stuff is gone. You just basically get to the, you know, producing stuff, which is really right. really cool. That's right. a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, really cool. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, being team lead, mm. does that mean that you have um, responsibility um, for for other people also, or are you just a technical kind of? I think at this point. Um, it's just technical. So okay. basically get keep keep projects on track, keep yeah. make sure people have stuff to do and solve issues and things like that. It's not on um, I guess I don't know. There's a might it be fluid in your case, right? Because it's yeah, I think, growing I think and it's it like is, yeah. yeah. There were hints of that, but there's nothing yeah. nothing definite. Which is completely fine with me. I have plenty to do right now. So Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean it's yeah. a whole other thing, you know, managing people is definitely like Yeah. I mean Raquel is always talking about it. It's uh there's a there's a lot to learn with that. It's, it's, uh, exactly. Definitely. 
Yeah, I asked her a bunch of questions on the last few shows about that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard that. So it I was, was I was wondering, was <laughs> how's the uh, the whole standardization, like linting and stuff like that, going? Did you? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't touched that yet. But um, that's my my next thing is to like one thing at a time. And um, so, uh, what what I'm going to try to do is is to suggest. Um, there's this really good blog post about how to write commit messages, like how to write a good commit message. Yeah. And there's six or seven points in there, and they're mm. they're all like common sense stuff, and they're very very simple. It's a long article, and you're like, yeah. oh my god, yeah, I want to have to follow all these rules. But yeah. I think just in one single reading, you get a sense of what the point is mm. and the purpose of all this. And hopefully, if I uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe do a do a mini talk on it or something, and then get some people on board because that's one thing that I can see now in in our commit messages. They're flying left and right, and they're all over the place. So. Yeah, being disciplined with uh, commit messages is 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 pretty hard. I yeah. uh, we we are using this um, Angular convention, uh, the Angular commit message convention that they're using, which is which is. Um, not the same as I think the the article that you're talking about. I I think I read that article too, and it's, isn't it? Um, like there's some basic rules, like uh, maximum fifty characters for yeah. It's, it's, it tells you how long the first line should be. That there's a space yeah. in the second if there's more, and you should write it in in a specific tense. Yes, basic exactly. Follow yeah. follow what Git already does because yes. if you um. If you do a merge or something, um, you know it says merge branch mas master into developer the other way around or something mm -hmm. like that. It's not merging or merged. Mm -hmm. It's like it's a command, right? Yeah. Merge yeah. this or complete this, implement this, whatever. So that makes it makes sense to me. It's weird at first, but once you do it, it's just it's no big deal. Yeah. So so, so yeah. Um, the thing is with the, what helped us a little bit is the this Angular convention thing where you have for specific features or things that you do you have a you you have you have to have in the commits that you did for this task you have to have at least you know like <clears throat> one commit or the last commit that follows a specific format in the first line where it says f um, either feature colon And then, oh yes, yes. I, oh, I mean, feature, and then brackets, and then you mm -hmm. write, you know, the the kind of the subject or the part of the application you were working on. Then you have a colon. Then you write a little description of what happened, and and uh, following this format allows you to do some automation as well. So that's actually quite nice. So you can you can uh, generate change log, <clears throat> a change log automatically, and it will only use those commits that have that specific specific format so that you, you you just have to pay attention to those commits and uh. they will then be aggregated to create a change log and then mm -hmm. what you also can do is there is this what is it called again there is this module called something uh, or other from Bönemann that semantic release i think it's called oh yeah we talked about that at one point yeah yes and this uh and these angular conventions um he uses them <clears throat> i think you could also use others but the semantic release thing uses those in order to figure out if a release w will have a breaking change or not and mm -hmm. then automatically you know uh bump up the right number and You know, and stuff like that. So this allows you to do a little uh, automation, which is which is nice. Which really, I, I think, which for for us at least was a little bit more relevant than you know this um, specifically for us than the format of you know every single commit that every single commit has to be absolutely beautiful and you mm -hmm. know you know be aggregated I and see. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. because so that is just on, okay, this is a lot gotcha. of work this is a lot of work but it really comes down to what is your source of truth and that mm -hmm. was really an interesting uh, i think uh, github issue comment i think that i read about that where or article i'm not sure anymore but f for instance for github for the people that make github and work at github everything is in github and everything pertaining a certain issue um or task is is in a github issue and that is the single source of truth and it really doesn't matter what's in the commit there could be total garbage in the commits 
they don't really care about that they just care about what's in um in the issue and for us it's similar our single point uh, single point of truth is is our jira ticket mm -hmm. and plus this one commit per task that has that specific format right ah, okay. so those things connect so isn't isn't the the, mm -hmm. the angular uh standard or or the convention, the, rules, yeah. the convention that they use they have for different types of things they have different words to describe yeah. or actually abbreviations so there's like refactor implement new or something like that i well, think that, i think there's, there's like a list of them yeah there's uh there's feature there's uh, then there's fix and then right. there is i think two or three others that i don't remember because so far i've only used feature and fix i think right <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I, I remember that. That seemed like a, a nice way to, like you were saying, to then be able to go back and filter on certain things and find things faster, yeah. potentially. Yeah, I, I just found this insight really great. Like f when you look at the Git code base, right? And the, it, it's very clear that their single point of truth um, is are the Git commits. So those mm -hmm. Git commits have to be 1,000%, you know, like well-written. Uh, you have to, like, you have to squash commits so that one, you, you post, like, one commit per feature so it makes sense and all this kind of stuff. So they take a lot of care about, you know, in their commits because that's the single point of, uh, single source of truth when it comes to tickets and features that they're building. So all the information is really there. If that is the case for you, then that would also make sense for you to do that, to put all this energy in the commits. But if you have a ticket system and you say like, this is like, everything has to be documented in the ticket, like everything else does not really matter, then you maybe don't need that, you know, um, you don't need to care so much about the, the discipline. Yeah, yeah. You don't. So need how, the do you, how do you guys do it? So you have Jira is your is your source of truth for is basically your ticketing system, and then yeah. what you just how does that work? We're we're in the process of starting to to get Jira online as well for what we're doing. <clears throat> yeah, uh, so, that's totally new to me. Okay, so so first of all, um, so tickets get created. So when a ticket gets created, you need to have a really good description about what needs to be done. If somebody takes this task, takes this task on and reads the description and does not understand what's going on, the ticket needs to go back. It needs to go back to whoever created this ticket and this person needs to fill out the description mm -hmm. okay. so that it makes sense and it gives all the information that the programmer needs to start working or to, to, to complete the task. Yeah. And everybody who touches the ticket needs to write in a comment underneath uh, the comment in, in the ticket what, what they did, right? So Because mm -hmm. then it has their name, it has what they did. So, if, so the normal journey of a ticket like that is like the ticket gets created, it has a description, so a programmer takes the ticket, uh, does work on it, and uh, does work on it and commits that to GitLab in our case, and then um, when when they're done, they write a, co a comment in the ticket and say, I did these things, da, 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 maybe a little list or a little description about what they did. And um, uh, and then it so goes... Is, into, the git, is the git commit tied to that ticket in any way? Yeah, it is. It is, okay. it is tied because the, the git branch that gets created for that ticket starts with the ticket number. Okay, and that's how they are connected. So that's also always the case. So there, you need a little discipline there, so that you always have the ticket number in the branch name in the beginning, and then they get uh, they get linked up, and then uh, the ticket goes into review. Then the reviewer, if everything is okay, there's a uh, there's a, s a short template where the re reviewer can. No, I think now we even have a template for the programmer that that worked on the ticket that also um, and. Yeah, so there's a little t template and they can just fill out the template um, and there's things like, what did I do? What needs to be tested? 
you know, does it really need, does it need to be checked out or is it just, do you just have to run the test or do you also have to do like uh, an, accept, an acceptance test or like there could be anything, depends on what work was done and what needed to be done and stuff like there's a, so that the reviewer knows exactly what they need to do. They don't need to guess or they need to, don't need to analyze the code in order to figure out what they need to do in order to test um, everything completely, you know, everything okay. that is new. And then it so basically in the ticket system though you can figure out what commit is associated with this. What about if you're in the code, you basically see that the a certain branch was merged in, and that branch name is what will lead you to the ticket. So if you want the information on why this stuff was changed or or what the reason behind it is, then you can you can still find it by simply being in Git. Is that correct? Yes. So yeah. the so it's the, both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So the branch name, um, I mean, the branch gets deleted. So how do we f uh, get? I think. Uh, I don't. I think when everything is merged into master, do we have a do we have a way? I think. Well, there is always the uh, the commit. There's always the merge commit, and the merge commit right. says, branch so and so merged into master. Mm -hmm. So you can always find it kind of like that. Yeah. You can always go back yeah. like that. Although we never really had we never really had to do that yet. So don't really okay. have a problem. No, I just remember from, from longer running projects, it's always so six months down the line you find something, you figure out where it was changed and mm -hmm. it'd be nice to be able to go back <clears throat> to see the the reason behind it if it's not documented in the code. Yeah, but, it's uh, definitely, it's definitely I mean, good to have some sort of a link between yeah. the two. Yeah. It's because the uh, discipline in documenting and either putting in very good commit messages where you explain not necessarily what you did, because that's apparent from the code, but why you did it and what decisions drove that Yeah, uh, is, is kind of always a pain in the butt to do when you're in it because it takes time, but... I can just say from experience that has saved my ass so many times in the, in the past mm. because mm. there's people, I mean, there's coworkers of mine, they can remember stuff that, you know, decisions we made two years ago about certain details that I, I just can't. After three mm -hmm. months, things are gone. And if I don't have it written down, then I'm, you know, I'm in trouble. So right. it's, to me, that's really, really important. That's why I asked how the things are linked together because I want to be able to, to you know, find that. Because that's it just happens frequently. Yeah. Right. Yeah, something was changed. We see what was changed, but why the heck did that happen? Because it caused this and this problem, mm. you know, for example. So mm. okay, cool. Yeah, I mean what really uh works for us is is to do like really thorough reviews. I don't know if you mm. do that, but you know, when 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 a branch when when a feature is done and then we create a merge request it's the same as a pull request in <clears throat> on github and mm -hmm. and then that gets reviewed thoroughly depending on how big the changes are sometimes you do a pair review sometimes just you know you you have one person review it they might have any some questions you talk to them answer the questions and sometimes of course it comes back and then you fix things and and we're quite good at just being you know, candid with each other and like yeah. asking and like nobody feels bad Attacked because there's a, yeah. there's a bug or something like that. You mm -hmm. know, this, the, I mean, there's always bugs. So yeah, you just yeah. get, you just get blind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do reviews sometime in the future. That is really, really helpful. Hmm? Yeah. I can, I can imagine for sure. It's yeah. super important. Otherwise, I think, a good learning experience too, and I mean it's just yeah. good for code quality. Otherwise, man, and our review checklist is also quite long. So there's, it's not just like, yeah, it depends kind of like what changes have been done or what was worked on. But then there is also, you know, the description is also checked again. Did did the programmer mm -hmm. write into the <clears throat> comment what he did and all this kind of stuff? And then the reviewer again, the re reviewer writes even if everything's fine the reviewer mm -hmm. has to write a comment has to say it looks good to me merged or something like yeah. that right and then because then you can always if you find the ticket you know who was working on it you know who worked on it and you know who reviewed it and even right. if it goes you know everybody who touches the ticket has to kind of has to write something in there um, mm -hmm. so that you can talk to the people if uh, yeah yeah if 
if you have yes to. interesting times ahead uh, lots and lots of things to learn yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, th- I thought it was really uh i mean raquel's advice uh on the latest episode about how to speak to people if you want to mm-hmm. in if you want to introduce uh style guides and stuff like that was absolutely excellent i thought it was yep. really really great um I kind of feel like if you're the if you're the tech lead, then when it comes to like things like we have to write code in a specific way or we have to write CSS in a specific way, so that just everybody, for me, like the like the reason, like the one reason that makes this like a no brainer is that that your team and you have to read each other's code all the time and people have to, you know, somebody has to work on some other guy's task at some point. And like, you need to be able to read your code as quickly and efficiently as possible. It's already hard to read other people's code, but if now they have a different format that like way of formatting the code that you're not used to, Mm -hmm. that's crazy. I mean, it's yeah. it's just a time sink. It's, it's just a waste absolute, of time. Yeah. It's an absolute yeah. waste of time. It's such a huge waste of time. And and and, and I when when you were first asking the the questions to Raquel, I was like, Hedding, you just have to tell them like, just do it, <laughs> <laughs> fucking do it. Like, there's no, <laughs> this is a no brainer. This is crazy. Having no style guide, I was, I was <clears> flipping <throat> out. <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm sure that'll go over really well no, i mean it, it is it is very interesting you know different people have completely different like um, opinions not opinions but um well opinions too but their their level of importance to that like some people are just not bothered by that you know they yeah. don't care if it's a little different they that's that's not something that is a big hurdle to them so mm-hmm. then this kind of issue is not important right yeah. And then others where I'm like, I I can't stand it if, you know, this is a certain way. And it, it you know, if we just all follow this and push the auto format button, yeah, great. Then it all looks the same, much mm. easier. But it's like, you know, people, like, like Raquel said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, her advice was absolutely yeah. brilliant. I thought it was really brilliant. Yeah. Uh, how, how you, like, just talking to everybody and making them part of the decision and everything. Because I think ultimately there is, there is no way no other way like you have to have style guides because they're the the arguments for it are just too 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 uh bi- how do you say big or too yeah strong like there's just like it's just a time thing and it's just a team thing like you can't and it's i think it's really t- it's actually terrible that all those languages can be formatted in all those different ways i i yeah. think i think it's I think it's really cool that that Go just does not fly. There is only one way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you if you just format it wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that because it is another thing, like it's it falls in the same category as JSON JSON API, really, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it takes away decisions, it takes up takes away, you know, uh, it makes everybody suddenly can read everybody's code. Like it, it that's how it's supposed to be, you know, cause mostly, yeah. you know, you work in teams and you have to, you have to kind of, it's about speaking the same language and not having, and re, and it's about removing cognitive load. Exactly. Yeah. Right? It, that's, that's yep. what it's about. And it's, it doesn't matter. Like at home, if you write your own project or you have a you start up on the side and you have your own team, you can do whatever you want. But in at work, like you have to. It doesn't matter what style it is. It really does not matter if there is a space here or there. But everybody has to have that space in that yeah. place. Right. That's the only thing that matters. It's just the consistency. And then after, even after a few weeks, everybody gets used to it, and it doesn't matter anymore. And for us, exactly. it's like it's, it's it's everywhere. We have we have it in our editors. We have the es you know TSLint, ESLint, whatever. We have that in our editors, and at the same time, we also have it in our build tasks. So you can't even push anything, or at least not merge anything into master if the linter fails. Like, yeah, just not possible. No go. <laughs> no. Yeah, someday we will get there. I will. I will someday. come back to you guys for advice. <laughs> uh, you just gotta. Yeah. You just gotta. You just have to. 
write this little git commit hook in the end so it gets throw, yeah. thrown back in their faces <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. yeah i feel very strongly about this but i but we yeah. also i mean i had the i had the um i was f so fortunate to come into a team that was already thinking like that mm -hmm. so everybody was had the same mindset like it i didn't have to i didn't have to come in and and like do the hard sell about style guides that was pretty cool yeah. that every under yeah. everybody understood i mean especially in javascript as you saw because javascript styles are so different it's, i think it's even crazier than any other language like how yeah. people write javascript and stuff absolutely i mean there's yeah there's there's stark differences speaking of javascript so i was i had reported that i was writing quite a bit of javascript and i asked for some like help and stuff for advice mm -hmm. in 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 slack about you know um what was it i think it was it was like a watcher or something like that and then you had said that you know that's all that's all that's all built into babel already so yeah um so anyway i i actually got that that mini project uh delivered and uh, it worked great so this was the um the JavaScript that pulled um, content from this this CMS called Contentful, mm, and yeah. it did this uh, in in basically the front end pulled in whatever uh, content that was necessary, and it did this because, or the the whole point of it is, I guess, is that you can you can have your um, your CMS decoupled, and you can basically have this. Um, content of yours on a CDN, all your images, and even you know, based on locale, um, etc. Mm -hmm. All these things, mm -hmm. um, and uh, very, very nice and fancy. And um, by the way, that company is out of Berlin. Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're a startup in Berlin. Startup. And nice. um, so what what happened to us? Like, this is a really weird thing. Like we have a call center, mm -hmm. and our call center people they use the website, our own website, to once they're on the phone with people to, you know, look at stuff at the same time and, and look up, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, SKUs and, and stuff like that. So what, what we noticed was that we were burning through our um, API allowance um, to a pretty large part with our own people. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, wow. it, was, it was, you know, getting to a point where we would have gone to a, uh, a tier that was... Um, quite expensive well at least for what we're doing you know and um so what we unfortunately ended up doing well not unfortunately but um which cut my javascript uh, experience short was i basically had to port the thing to php and what we decided to do was actually um cache everything so we would we would uh, um mm -hmm. basically warm up the cache in the back end yeah pull all the content in and cache it in our own system instead of pulling it from the CDN. So now we don't have the advantage of, you know, faster page load times with the content coming in afterwards, but um, it for for the time being at least, that's sort of the solution we're going with. So I'm off off JavaScript again. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see when I get back into that. But uh, uh, cool. I, I I hear our there's sort of a node might be some real time stuff might be in my future. So we'll see. Oh cool. Yeah. Yep. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's what's happening in Henningland. Henningland. Yeah. So <laughs> I I started work on Monday, and the first two and a half days, what I was kind of wrestling with was that I I had the newest version of macOS installed, of course, because ah, I was yeah. not at work. So I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to install this. It's great. New version. Let's do it. And uh, so I did that. And it works completely fine. Like, everything's great. But then I, I um, started work. I, was che I checked out the, pro the project. And I was doing a gulp serve, which, you know, builds the whole thing and serves, <clears throat> uh, serves the website, our application, with, like, mocks and everything. So you can work with it directly on your computer. You don't need... Uh, you don't need the back end and everything. So, but it always would stop. So it would build everything, and then it would always stop after a certain task. Mm -hmm. And so, what we're using, mm -hmm. we we're using this uh, this module called Run Sequence, which is basically a hack for Gulp, uh, for Gulp 
version three tasks. It, it just allows you to run tasks in sequence because gulp tasks by default run in parallel or, um, yeah. And, uh, uh, there's a different word, not parallel. What's it called again? I forgot. Anyway, uh, you can, you can just organize. You can say, please run these three tasks at the same time, then two tasks in sequence and then another three or four at the same time or whatever, right? You can, so you can have these blocks and you can make sure that, um, for instance, like you want to, um, so you want to build your CSS, you want to build your HTML uh, templates, in, or you want to compile them into JavaScript, you want to build your JavaScript, uh, you want to compile your, t your TypeScript and all this stuff. You can do all these things at the same time because they don't depend on each other, right? But then you might have a task that depends on those things being ready, so then you want them sequentially. Mm -hmm. so, so this run sequence thing, it, did, it stopped at some point. So there were a bunch of tasks that worked, And um, there were, you know, groups of tasks that were running. Then there was a sequence uh, thing and then another one. And then it stopped. And it took me forever to find, because it, that was just for me. Like everybody else, it was fine, right? Like everybody else was <laughs> not on Mac, was not on Sierra. I was the only one on Sierra. So for everybody, it was fine. For me, it stopped. And it was just like a nightmare to get to find out what, what the hell is going on? And so, and it, it turns out that um, I tracked it down to, to a problem in the build.js task where we use Webpack to build our TypeScript and create, you know, and build it depending on, you know, um, do we need minified? Is it for production? Is it for development? Uh, create the the... Uh, the source maps and everything. So it just takes care of all that stuff depending on whatever environment uh, variable is set. And it also, it also, it also creates, a, creates a watch task and watches your JavaScript if you need that, you know, and all that stuff. So, um, so it was somewhere in there. So I was doing like all this research about Sierra and Webpack not working. And there were like some plugins that didn't work with the TypeScript compiler. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. But it wasn't that. <laughs> 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 and then there was like, somebody was like, and then I was looking for like, Gulp with Sierra not working. And then the run sequence thing, there sort of was one issue with somebody was talking about Sierra with the, some sequence, uh, some sequence task. Or it was even the run sequence uh, package that we we're also using, but it was not that either. And just like you had to go through all these shit, and it, and there was just no error, there, no, you know, nothing like no er error message or nothing. And then, uh, so what, what? It turned out that our build JS task, it did not. So it looked to me, it looked to me like it did not complete correctly because in Gulp you have to return a callback in order to or you have to call a callback in order to tell gulp okay this task is ready now because everything is asynchronous mm -hmm. and so it's looked like this it was not called for for when you just want to build javascript you don't want any you don't want watching you don't want anything else you just want to build the javascript nothing else there was no callback call so i put in the callback call and suddenly it worked and was like i found it great and then my colleague was no 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 no, 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 this belongs there. There is a callback call actually in a different file that is getting called because there's, because we're using plugins and there was one plugin that creates, that goes through all the licenses and compiles them and checks if, you know, all the licenses of all the uh, packages that we're using are actually licenses that we can use. Or if a license changes, then you get a notification or something like that. So there, so it was actually in, in this, in this, uh, get license um, plugin. Actually, in the get license plugin, there was a callback, but that callback did not get called. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had to, so, so basically what happened was that this license thing that was going through all the modules where they have to get the licenses, this plugin went through all the modules um, And then I could I, basically what I found out with logging it out was that it it had a bunch of paths to all those different uh, modules that we were using to check the license, but some of them did not have a package JSON 
directly in that in that path and that's when this this plugin failed oh wow yeah but Yikes. but just for me yeah <laughs> not it's but, just just for mac os sierra which is so weird and so I, the, the real reason is then okay that is what's causing it but why is it just mac, o, mac os sierra i don't know i think Th that is still really a mystery to me because something's something is just maybe something changed in the file system so that for some reason because what happened is that we used an older version of of this package that we were using to extract the 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 license of a package right mm -hmm. this older version of this this module that was extracting the package license was just was just requiring the package json in order to was just like require package json in a promise it was wrapped in a promise and so if it can't read it it throws an error and if, if it re reads it it's fine and stuff like that so it does not check if a package json is there and then reads it it just tries to read it and throws if there's an error and for some mm. reason yeah and for some reason It, this whole thing still worked with the older version of macOS, but with mine, it just interrupted it, and it was, and it never called the callback, and I don't know, it just exited. I don't know. It was really so. It's still kind of, it's still kind of uh, an unknown to me why exactly it didn't work. But uh, fortunately, the newest version actually did a check for the package JSON. And so I we just upgraded the we just updated the the version of that package and now everything's fine again. <clears throat> hmm. Well so this is really really interesting to me that you guys well obviously you're like a more established team and everything, but that you actually have a check for for versions in there. That's that's pretty cool. So what you can configure this to say we are okay with these this list of licenses yeah. and if if anything is in my dependency tree that is not this then tell me is that that how it works yeah i think so uh, i mean okay. i didn't really look very closely at the what what that thing does but i think i saw the ticket and it, that's what the requirement was yeah that it basically we have a list of licenses that are cool with us mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and if there's uh, if a license changes Then you want to be notified. There's actually, there's actually, there was a Karlsruhe JS, the last Karlsruhe JS that I that I um, organized months and months ago. <laughs> uh, there was a talk. They presented a tool that does exactly that in a very so sophisticated way. So it gives you all kinds of notifications. It was basically focused on this license issue and it's like a it's it's a it's a web service that you can use for free if you're doing open source but you can also self-host it i think um and it does exactly that on i think on merge requests or on push to like if you push something to the to the git server or something like that it does the license checks of all your dependencies and it can even check the licenses of the dependencies of the de of the dependencies so go all the way down the dependency tree oh, um, wow. Yeah, and um, and you can configure it to exactly what you know kind of licenses you allow and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a service out there that actually you can use to to do that. But uh, we don't have that many modules, and I think it was it was not like uh, it was not a huge deal for us to implement it ourselves. And there's of course a few packages that you can use to help you with that. And so uh, yeah, we have a, we have our check implemented in there. Yeah, yeah. Wow, interesting, yeah. Because um yeah, that's not even on my horizon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, you are really like you're in this kind of like startup-y kind of world ground right floor, now, right? yeah, like, totally, totally like super totally. fast growing. Because your company seems like it's really well set, right? There's there's uh, lots of revenue coming in. The, the yep. business works, the business model works, everything's exactly. And it's and it's actually working really well and it's successful and and it's growing and like you putting a lot of energy into making the the service on the web better, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. yeah, that's that's the nice part is it's not like um, you know there has to be worries about funding and things like that. That part works already. Um, now that's, it's more, more like 
Luxury. keeping up with with the demands of the business. So yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Awesome. So yeah, it's um, it's uh, you know, it has its um, issues because it's it's like you said, it's startupy because um, you know, things are not in place yet. But it's also kind of cool because you get to influence that. Yes, uh, that's and great. Um, you know that that has been extremely fun so far. So. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I mean, we're almost we're almost uh, at our time. I think we have five minutes left. Yeah. So I would like to I would like to point out some interesting things that I saw okay. in the recent weeks. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, <clears throat> uh, uh, React Fiber is a thing. Have you ever Have you heard of React Fiber? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm. First thing that comes to mind is the breakfast cereal. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what kind of breakfast cereal could have, that be? Like I uh, have no idea. <laughs> Some bran flakes or something. I have no clue. That you react to, like or <laughs> I don't know. But, That's yeah. just what popped in my head. <laughs> fiber, you know, fiber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Um, <laughs> um, so React Fiber is is a complete re rewrite of React. Ooh. Wow! What? <laughs> yeah, well, it is something that the React team or some uh, members of the React team have been working on for over two years, um, I think. Because I watched there's a talk, and we're going to link up the talk, the YouTube uh, link for that talk, <clears throat> by um, somebody who is now also a React team member, and um, he he's somebody. Uh, I forgot his name, but he's somebody who looks who looks at the React at the React Fiber um, rewrite from outside because they're doing it open source. So he was trying to understand it. He was following it, and he wrote a document, um, an unofficial document about it um, online to try to, to for himself to try to figure it out. What what is what what are they doing and why, and how are they doing it? And he also gave a talk about it. And he's now also on Facebook. He is also partly responsible for Redux together with Dan uh, Abramoff. Um, mm -hmm. so, so, so that's the information from that guy. But then there's also the Sebastian Mark Page, I think is his name. Um, and he wrote uh, in a huge github issue he also wrote some stuff about the philosophy what's going on there and stuff like that so just to break it down quickly it's not it's not available yet it's it's in the works and it might not be available ever huh. still it's still it's still a, it's basically an experiment but um if it's available at some point it's going to be available maybe next year end of next year or something like that and what they're doing is they're doing a lot of experiments in order to improve, to drastically improve um, React's performance. And so what they're doing is, so the guy who gave the talk, he showed an, a React app that was just, um, that was just like, like a bunch of components, maybe 50 components. And, And he was using React Fiber for that app. And it was 50 components that were all kind of nested within each other. And all of these components were doing a lot of number crunching, like really hard, like computing, right? Like just, as, it was, I mean, not hard. It was just a loop. But each of these components were doing a lot of work. That's the baseline, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that it is really um, like intensive for the browser to calculate. Because... Um, currently, when you pass down uh, properties to all these components and they have to all re-render, then, then it's quite inefficient, so to speak. So they figured out a way how to, to um, pause work and schedule work. So they're implementing a scheduler so that that they can basically tell those components or react or those components themselves no um they can prioritize things that are more important and then 
and then pause other work that is not as important. For instance, when you want to do so, so one of the one of the things that they want to improve is that uh, they want to have really really smooth animations, right? And there was a, actually a really interesting thing that he said. He said, actually, animations. You think in your head animations are not that important because the animation itself doesn't contain, you know, the important data or anything like that. It doesn't visualize necessarily anything. It just it visualizes, you know, movement. It visualizes movement, um, and that is important for user experience. But but as a developer, you might think, okay, the data, the the numbers that I'm showing or whatever are more important. So I need to show this first. But actually, for the user experience, the animations are. Um, High, have a higher priority because they have to be super smooth for a good user experience and it's also fine if the data is like milliseconds later or a few you know it's, right. it, it takes a little longer for that to show but the animation is super smooth it's nicer so what they do is that they that they prioritize the animation work and when the animation goes then uh, they can pause you know like heavy computation and when and they kind of figure out the um, the frame rate and everything, and they make sure that it animates right at 60 frames per second and pause or uh, stop work, you know, in order to do that and then continue with it after, you know, they did the animation. Like, it's all quite, like, super... It's, it's, it's a really... It sounds like a C- CPU's kind of work. You yeah. Know, I mean, stuff like that. It's like... It's really hmm. low level, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really low level. And it's basically, I think somebody said, well, you're basically implementing threads. And yeah. and this is the whole thing about what's, what Seb Markbage wrote in this GitHub issue. I think he's responding to that criticism or to that point, to that argument, that we actually just implemented threads in JavaScript. And he's making a lot of arguments for what, you know, that it's not just that, but it's also good for, or why it's also very good to have that or why it's useful. And um, so it's, an, it's a very like heady, like very low level JavaScript, very conceptual um super interesting experiment in order to get uh in order to just get javascript running in the browser smoothly everywhere for all kinds of devices and um uh yeah so you know like one of the arguments that he said was like why do we have we have a supercomputer in our hand every day you know yeah but but for some web pages you can't even scroll smoothly and yeah. he ha- he has a point right cuz 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 when you implement the scrolling in javascript and you have a lot of animations going and stuff like that it's very easy to to overwhelm the browser and then it's you know it's very uh, janky and everything and it mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work out of the developer um, and very careful constructing and analyzing of the JavaScript performance, especially if you have a lot going on in your application, to make this feel native and really, really smooth. Right. So, so, so this is also going to basically um, fix this or, or improve this across, across um, browsers then, I guess. So it takes away... Yeah, I think this is the idea. I mean, yeah, I yeah. don't know how cross browser it is already, but but uh, it's just about it's a it's basically about taking it away, taking the work away from the developer. So just have a mm-hmm. default application that you where you just concentrate on writing the application and doing your computing and all that stuff. And React takes not only care, does not only take care of of updating your DOM at the right moment. It also takes care of prioritizing the work and scheduling it so that the time, so that the, so that the work that needs to be done, the calculations that needs to be done, are done at the right moment in time. Because you also have, you also have uh, callbacks like this callback where you can find out when there is idle time and when the idle time is finished and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's amazing. I mean, that's, um, that's, yeah, like you said, very low level and very, um, yeah, super advanced. I mean, yeah, you know, kind of stuff that, wow. Yeah. I mean, super interesting. And I'm, I'm sure like, I mean, it was very impressive when he put the two things next to each other, basically. So he said, Mm -hmm. 
this is React Fiber, and I have like this 100 components of how much they were, and they're they're re-rendering smoothly, and they're doing a lot of work. Every single component doing a lot of work, changing color, animating, going, you know, animating smaller, bigger, like it was constantly working, and it was very, very smooth. And then he showed like React today with the same app, with the same components and everything, and it didn't even get over, like it it was like visualized in a triangle and there were like all these little <laughs> triangles within this triangle yeah. and, and for React Fiber, like all of them were touched, but for this, for the normal one, it was like it, the first five or so were touched wow. and then it just stopped. And it, yeah. it actually completely stopped at some point where it did not even try to re-render the first top three ones or whatever. Like it was just like, it just gave up basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's just, it's just dumber basically. Yeah. Everyone, you know, so that's nice. fasc- fascinating. And uh, I mean, I really hope that this experiment um, is going to work and it then again flows into all the other frameworks. Exactly. I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm very, very curious to see how this sort of, precipitates or moves into the other or influences the other frameworks because everything yeah. seems to have done that in the past so. exactly yeah very cool yeah so very that was nice. that, that was a little tidbit i, I still have other stuff but we'll talk about it next time i have to okay i have, I have to, to get going i have to take uh, me too i have <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not the only one anymore yay because <laughs> i have to go get my daughters now <laughs> <laughs> there you go okay so let's do uh let's do the goodbyes and uh, uh do we have i think we have a few new members we do i know one off the top of my head um the others unfortunately not and that's just because he's a co-worker of mine so oh, nice. shout out to, to kyle yeah um, shout out welcome <laughs> That's K minor, I believe, on, uh, on the slide. K minor, so that's okay. that's fun. Oh, and Chalke, T Chalke. Okay. Uh, is also welcome. new. Yeah, welcome. Shout out. Uh, yeah, I think that is the only ones that I saw. Um, right. Definitely some, uh, still some uh, cool little dis- discussions going on. Um, I now also don't have a lot of time to hang out in the chat. <laughs> Uh, hopefully um, yeah i promise to get back into it i have actually put it on in work uh, at work um so i am following what's going on uh not super involved yet but i i do want to do that because it is fun so yeah cool. yeah and appreciate the people that come on there and yeah chat about all kinds of interesting things and i mean you know last week's topic came off of that so that's that was awesome yes exactly really awesome okay, okay. Um, well, I'm uh, H. Gladergotts on Twitter. And uh, yes, thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you next week. And you can find the show notes on reactive.audio. And you can talk to us on Twitter at reactivepod. And I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter. And Raquel is Rockbot on Twitter and everywhere exactly. else. Exactly. Or mostly other places. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. That was it. Good deal. Bye. Bye.